All right, everyone, welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. This is the podcast where I answer questions from my YouTube community and just talk about YouTube and filmmaking. Today, we have a very special guest, Jared Lichtenberg. He's a freelance filmmaker who specializes in music videos and commercials. His production company, Stereo Visuals, has worked with companies like Benson Amps and shot videos for bands like the Talbot Brothers and Hannah Glaver. And he's also a pretty talented musician himself. I met Jared about four years ago, and I've helped him shoot some stuff, and he's helped me on several of my YouTube videos. Jared's been traveling a lot for work, so I'm stoked that we could finally jump on this podcast and chat. Jared, how's it going? Good. <laughs> yeah, it's been busy. I mean, slow, but last year was so busy, and hence we tried many times to meet up and didn't work or yeah, virtually, but here we are. I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast and talking to me for a little bit. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, for anyone who's listening that doesn't know Jared's work, you've probably seen him in a couple of my YouTube videos, and I've posted about one of the the music videos that I helped you with, kind of like a one-take music video for Hannah Glaver. The first question I had is, like, yeah. when did you start freelancing, and what's yeah. something that I think has made it work for you over the years? Yeah, I started freelancing, like, like 2020 so right before that thing happened oh, i don't yeah. feel like i'm i won't even use the word i mean yeah i don't because i don't know if it's gonna flag the <laughs> podcast or something but the you know the thing that happened yeah so i started i started right before yeah so i, I kind of just took the jump like early 2020 and then it happened and i was like well maybe this is this is a risk because i quit like a stable nine to five like help health benefits and everything like working in the college doing pretty much the same thing but mm -hmm. I was very much under the, like the the pressure of pushing out content constantly for not super a lot of money. And that was kind of yeah. like just took a toll on me mentally. So I was like, well, I'm going to take a risk. And if I fall backwards and, you know, totally fail at it, then I'll just, you know, go find a different job and, and, and try again, you know. So I think it really mm -hmm. took for me that jump. And when I finally did it, some of the work I've also done besides like music stuff is like nonprofit work. So like when really everyone went online, I found myself doing like virtual events and stuff like that. And so, you know, I like nowadays I'm, I'm maybe slightly more just because of like my creative focus and direction, what I'm think I'm, I'm better at than other things. I'll maybe say no to certain projects, but like early on, I was kind of like whatever I could do, you know, to make it work. Yeah. I think because of, because of that specific reason, I was able to, to make it work and pay my bills. So. So what were some of the freelance projects that you got like early on? Was it like weddings or? Yeah, I mean, I I did some I did some weddings through the pandemic, and I you know I I know you've done some weddings too before, right? Yeah. I found pretty quickly I I wasn't a huge, personally a super big fan of shooting weddings. Like yeah. Going to weddings is fine. <laughs> yeah. Friends, so celebrating, great, but uh, shooting weddings like to me is super stressful, and you know maybe. Yeah, that's just not my my thing. But it was more like, yeah, just like virtual events, like uh, fundraising events and stuff like that just like went from like in person to online. And so, you know, it's either going to be some people like a, like a Zoom Zoom things, like like a Zoom quality level conference videos was very much a standard for a lot of companies. And then sometimes they had these like higher tier productions. And so I kind of jumped in to try to help companies kind of look better and represent them better and kind of keep keep me busy and not just sitting on my hands. Because I feel like a lot of your work, at least the stuff that I've seen, is like music videos or like work for musicians. Like how did you kind of, I mean, I know that you're a musician yourself, but like how did you, you know, transfer from doing, you know, like weddings and streaming stuff to, you know, like shooting yeah. uh, music videos? Yeah, I mean, well, to be honest, like I'm, I'm doing a lot more of these. I've done a few music videos and, you know, music videos just means like a kind of a storytelling thing or like a, like a, a live 
acoustic version of a something recorded from an album like the, the Talbot Brothers that did yeah. some stuff like that for them. Kind of making that transition from, and I actually, I still do nonprofit stuff. Like I still love storytelling. And so, you know, I, I feel like that's still something that's super important, important to me. But I mean, I think the biggest piece of advice I had, or I would have like for people wanting to go in that direction is just like go to a lot of live shows and like what I had to do in order to kind of get my name out there more is just go to a lot of shows, bring my camera, like when I had permission to, mm -hmm. um, shoot photos and videos and then just try to cut something together that like was unique. Cause a lot of people will shoot photos of shows, but you know, if you're able to shoot, you know, if they allow you to shoot video with kind of like a minimal setup, so it's not super distracting, like, and you can create like a really cool, like cut from slow motion footage and stylize it like that. And you just kind of keep posting stuff. Like, you know, I think eventually people start to take notice. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of the thing, like you got to really love, love it. And I think that's got to be like the, one of the biggest drivers for doing this kind of stuff. Cause it's, you know, I think starting out by, you know, a lot of bands, like you're, you're not going to get paid. Like, so it's, it's very much like there is a level of which you can eventually tour or get paid and, and do that. But like, you really, I think you, you have to spend a lot of time just like honing, honing in what you love to do and what you want to spend your time doing as far as that. Kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I totally went in an S curve there with no, no, no. That's your question. No, that's good. I was actually gonna kind of like uh, follow that up with like, yeah. what kind of work have you been doing right now? Because I know that you were in Canada for like a couple months ago or something like that. Yeah. Well, I might be going back to Canada in in April, kind of TBD, mm -hmm. and th that would also be kind of a content become probably more of a content role, social role for a band. Mm -hmm. among other things. But yesterday I was up in kind of a suburb outside of Seattle shooting something for Benson Amps again. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Some of these clients, you know, some, 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 it's very interesting because like some clients are very like very narrowed and focused on what they want. And then sometimes mm -hmm. it's a lot more, more chill and organic. And so like yesterday was kind of an example of kind of like, well, we have these really great musicians and we need to just try to capture the aesthetic in like what they're about, but it's, there's, there's like zero pressure. They're just like naturally like really good and like trying to like, I think, oh yeah, this is, that'd be the other thing I would kind of say is like trying to capture things in the way that it's like when you turn a camera on and you tell people you're recording, they get like freaked out or something. Yeah. It's like trying to capture, even in live situations, it's like trying to capture something that makes, makes someone like, it's, it's not apparent that there's a camera recording. I think that's the biggest biggest challenge. The the Benson thing is something I worked on. Yeah, and I've been working on something for like a music nonprofit down in, in LA with my friend Brayden. I don't know if you you met Brayden, right? He worked on that Hannah Glaber video with you and uh, and me, but he's like a anyway. Oh that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh tall guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, yeah. he kinda he's kinda doing the exact same thing I'm doing, just kind of has been doing it for ten more years. But yeah, yeah. Uh him and I have been working together on some stuff for this kind of like music school for like kids coming out of college and helps them with music career and it's like a nonprofit kind of thing and anyway yeah. so it's it's all kind of vaguely going in that direction whether it's nonprofit or music and i guess it kind of leads me into my next question which is what gear are you shooting with now and why did you pick it i feel like if anyone's watched the, the last video that i did with you was the the s5 versus the the fx6 are you still shooting with that <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah i still look on the internet and for some reason that's still sold out really <laughs> like Wow, you got it before it was like super popular though, right? I got, I guess I got lucky where yeah. I just, they're still catching up, you know, with shortages or whatever. Like if I, if I wanted an S5, I probably would have been able to get as many as I want. Not that yeah. I want to have 10 of them, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have an, I have an FX6 and an FX3. Okay. Sigma lenses. I, I wasn't totally ready to, to go right up to the Sony versions of those. They're like twice as much money. So I'm not, yeah. you know what I mean? The budget, yeah. budget gotta be like slightly budget conscious if I can. But, mm -hmm. um, 
And then, yeah, I mean, have a ton of lights and stuff that I try to make worse work for most gigs. And then um, I record. I'm finding a lot, a lot more often, like I, when I first got the FX6, I wanted to like, oh, I can shoot raw if I had the Atmos Ninja 5, which I have, you know, two of them, one for each camera. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm finding for a lot of projects, you can just shoot internal. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot, uh, a lot you can do, especially with 10-bit, like S-Log that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of when you're back in 8-bit days and, and stuff. Like, anyway, yeah, it's saying, like, even 10-bit compresses a lot more. I don't even sometimes even record ProRes these days. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you shoot with the FX6, the FX3, yep. and Sigma lenses. Is that mostly yep. zooms and primes kind of, like, mixed in there? Or? Just zooms. Just I mean, zooms? I'm just trying to be very utilitarian, especially yep. nonprofit live music stuff, like, 24 to 70, 70 to 200. I really could have used a 16 to 35 yesterday. Mm-hmm. I realized that pretty quickly. Okay. So that's probably be my next Sigma lens. But um, I have some vintage, I have a couple of vintage, you know, I don't know if you, as you know, I think you have some of these, but like 50s yeah. and yeah, 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 like old Canon FD stuff. And But I, I end up using 24 to 70 probably like 80% of the time. Yeah, that's kind of where I found myself too, is that like, I used to have like this whole collection of prime lenses and then like, especially, you know, for me as a YouTuber, like, you know, going out and shooting and it's like, oh, like I want to get another angle or like another you know perspective, switching out the freaking lenses was just, it's just that little bit of time that like just makes me not want to shoot something. Yeah. So I've switched, like I'm starting to switch over to just like shooting with more zooms just because it's more convenient. And especially with like my style of content, like it's not really that big of a difference. I, I, I was in that zone when I first started doing this, I think even when I started freelancing, I didn't have any zooms. I had just primes. So yeah, yeah definitely. I remember that having to switch out super annoying when it's not exactly the kind of work that having zooms makes more sense for a lot of stuff. So it's always like that, that balance of like, you know, trying to make things like super like cinematic looking or whatever, yeah. because you know you see all like these DPs, you know, shooting with their red Komodos and like all like <laughs> these old, you know, like vintage contact Zeiss kit. And you're like, man, maybe I should go that route. But then when you actually get it, yeah. at least for me, it's like, I just never shoot with them, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, what was I, there was some, I was trying to remember if it was a YouTube video. There was there are certain videos which I'm like, man, the bokeh looks so cool on some of these old lenses. And I definitely could see for certain projects, I'd be like, yeah, it's totally worth going out of the way to do this lens swap, especially if like projects are more planned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think yeah. probably the nature of like, you know, if I was more in, in your camp, like doing YouTube where you're just trying to capture things in the moment and you need to frame up really quick, like Primes isn't always yeah. the best option. Yeah. So next thing I wanted to talk to you about was something that's been very in the front of my mind for like the last couple of weeks because I posted yeah. it on my community page not that long ago that like it's been like four weeks since I even posted a YouTube video and it's been primarily because Adobe Premiere has been crashing on me what? and like working so slowly that like the listeners aren't going to be able to see this but Jared has an old iMac behind him from like the 90s. Yeah. That's what that's what Premiere feels like. It feels like I'm trying to work on a computer from like that era oh. with 4K footage and it's just like I'll press play on the playhead and it'll take like five or six Jeez. seconds to actually play. And then the the audio and video isn't synced up because like the video is like going at like one frame a second. So I've been so I've been so frustrated with it that I've been trying to learn DaVinci, but I'm saying all this because I know that yeah. at least the last time we talked, you're a Premiere user. Are you, is it still working for you? Are you still using Premiere? Yeah, I still yeah. pay for it every month. Okay. And are you still using the same hardware? Yeah, I well, I actually swapped out to an M1 Pro. 
Okay. Recently. So I got the like 16 inch. I, I and it's interesting because they are. I don't know if you're still. Are you in the M1 layout yet, or are you still? See, back I'm in not. I'm still. I still have the 2019 Intel. So I'm wondering if that's the the problem. You know, I have no idea because I I just jumped away from that. What's your what? How much RAM do you have? I have 32 gigs. Okay. Yeah, that should be like fine. Yeah, even at the Intel, I turn every other program off. Like I, I want, you know, like the max amount of RAM to Premiere, and it still is like super choppy. But yeah. yeah, it could just be the fact that like I don't know if it's like the latest update. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I so interestingly, I had a similar machine with sixty-four gigs of memory and going to M1. Premiere's worked okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly would love to get, you know, ah, it's like. It's kind of like the Final Cut 7 thing when Final yeah. Cut 7 went to yeah. Final Cut X. And I was like, what is this? This is like iMovie. And it was so yeah. not intuitive to me at the time anyway. Mm -hmm. But there, there's kind of part of me that's like, would love to maybe give DaVinci a try or something. Like I have my, my friend Braden, like I mentioned earlier, is literally trying to do the same thing. Because like, okay, there's some things about Adobe that are really great, but, and I like the layout and I'm just so used to it. I've been using it for like 10 years, but. Yeah, same. It, uh, you know, it's like. Yeah, well, it's just like, it's it's weird because like the advice that everybody has for us Premiere users is just, oh, we'll just learn DaVinci. But it's like, yeah, but I've been using this for, you know, since CS3 or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of like telling someone who like, you know, I don't know, I don't even know a good illustration. Like, but I'm trying to learn it. It's it's actually a lot easier to customize the keys than I thought. It's just everything in DaVinci is called something different. So like oh. add edit in Premiere is split clip in DaVinci. So you just have to like yeah. learn the different terminology. And oh, it's just like all of my my presets and all of the plugins that I have that work for Premiere don't work for DaVinci. So that's another big that's another big thing that's kind of yeah. hard. The the thing I'd be curious about, I actually use After Effects a fair bit, mm -hmm. like yeah, especially with like the trippy music cut cutting stuff, like yeah, like duplicate. There's just a lot of stuff that is way easier to do in After Effects and Premiere. You just it's not built for layering, customizing to that degree. It's like the Photoshop of video, you know, kind of yeah. After Effects. I think of it that way, but I don't know if DaVinci what what their alternative is or if you're still going to be doing after effects or a third party thing yeah i think they have anything about that i think it's called fusion and it's built right into davinci so like what? you can do yeah you can do a compositing and like after effects type stuff like right in davinci um, yeah but from what i've heard from a lot of after effects users it's not the same and it's not as you know customizable or intuitive to use so, yeah, I mean, I know that like eventually, you know, DaVinci is just going to kind of be like the standard, you know, whereas like yeah. right now everyone's using like one of three programs, you know, Final Cut, DaVinci or Premiere. But yeah, a DaVinci Resolve is kind of, you know, they've created a really good or like it's been getting, you know, a pretty good ever since like, you know, DaVinci 18 or whatever. But yeah, no, I would I would uh, I I. I don't empathize. I don't know yeah. what the word is, but like, like in reality, it's not like you know me not being able to put out a video is like the the end of the world. I feel I feel really bad if someone who's like on deadlines, you know, is yeah. like not able to even edit their video because the program doesn't work. And I even went on to like you know like the forum support or whatever and like asked like, hey, like what am I doing? And you know, yeah. it's always someone who probably just got hired asking me if I cleaned my cache or something like that or whatever. I'm just like, dude, I've been using this program probably before you even knew what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have to do, are you finding, do proxies help at all? Or is that just like take way longer? Well, I mean, normally they do. Like I actually just finished 
like it was painstaking, but I just finished this review of some phase and anamorphic lenses. And the problem oh, cool. that I had was I was editing it in like the latest version of Premiere yeah. and everyone's solution was like, well, just go back to a, like an earlier version, but I already had it like, you know, almost like, you know, 70% cut and you know, like layered and you yeah. can't open, you can't open like newer versions of projects and older versions of Premiere. <laughs> so I was just like, I can't go back to an older version because I have right. to finish this edit. But yeah, it's like I had proxies going for that whole project and yeah. it's still, I mean, I don't know if it actually helped at all, but I was using a bunch of different, like I was using 6K stuff and 4K stuff and 1080p stuff. So Okay. I mean, that could have been what crashed it. But I mean, I've tried editing just like GH3 footage on like the latest version of Premiere and it's still just like chugging. It's like, dude, there's no, there's no reason. Sorry, this whole episode isn't supposed to be me. Just no, no, no. I just asked, though, is it because I mean, this is, I mean, Tenny, I guess anyone else listening, this is like how our conversations go because it's very much like two, yeah. two people working on stuff and like oh have you tried this or like i've tried this and i don't know this is feels just like any other conversation we've had yeah. i guess no about. exactly inevitably turns into all this kind of stuff yeah homie that's kind of like i feel like you're one of the few people that i know that is a premiere user just because i know that like so many like you know people have switched out yeah uh, to davinci or some people are still final cut users which like i envy final cut users just because their program is built for the mac system you know so it's just yeah. like it's always going to work the best out of all yeah. of these just because it's it's you know it's supposed to like work well on max but yeah if they if if they made it if they made an option to give us some of the like timelines and layers like i don't know if final cuts got to this level but like mm -hmm. if they can make some of kind of the linear ways you can view your footage kind of yeah. like premiere yeah i would consider trying out final cut maybe i should just download it because it's like i tried it 10 years ago maybe it's changed yeah. i don't know yeah, I mean, anyway. I know that a lot of YouTubers use it, and they like that whole magnetic timeline, which I still, uh, I can't stand no. it. Like, okay, it's still it is still that. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think you could turn it off, but I feel like that's kind of like how it's built to edit. You know, like you're supposed yeah. to kind of edit it like that. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. like it's I just, just like being able to put a little sequence like ten minutes down the timeline and just mm -hmm. like go to it later or whatever. Like that's kind of how I edit. Like I just yeah. like, chunks, you know, and then I. Yep. I kind of pull it all together. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. Yeah, those are the woes that I was at with Premiere. So I was just wondering if it was still working well for you, but it kind of sounds like Adobe's been updating it pretty good for the M1 chips. So maybe that's just where I need to go to next. Yeah, but that's lame because it's like M1's not even that new. Yeah. And Apple still supports it. And so if they're going to just like get lazy, I don't, you know, who knows what's going on. But like if it's like literally comes down to people getting lazier, not, yeah. not updating, you know what I mean? Or just like yeah, not well, checking. Like I looked in the forums and like there are a lot of people that own those uh those like those cheese grater Mac Pros, you know, that mm -hmm. cost like thousands and thousands of dollars and they're having like this, the last one that just came out. Yeah, like they're having the same problems that I'm having, you know, because they're like yep. Intel based. And it's like those people are even more pissed than I am. <laughs> yeah. it's like, why is this very expensive machine not able to run this, you know, this program? But I'll, I'll say really quick too. So this thing back here, I found I found like a Adobe, not CS3, but like version three, like Premiere. Yeah. I kind of want to install it on my old 20 year old Oof. iMac and like, dude, you make should a, make a video of trying to cut some like mini DV footage or something. Yeah. Just no, for, you I should just it. throw some FX6 footage in there and see if it even plays. <laughs> I'll probably have to down res it to like 240p 
yeah. big procs. That would be interesting, seeing if you can like edit on an, you know what I mean? And then like yeah. try to bring it back. I have Dude, no that idea. Would actually, that would actually be kind of a sick video, trying yeah. to, to edit footage from like, you know, a camera from 2020 or whatever on a computer <laughs> from like the mid nineties. <laughs> oh my gosh. The last question that I had for you is kind of, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier, but I kind of, mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of uh, listeners, even myself included, because, you know, I've kind of been thinking about going into like the freelance or just, you know, the non-YouTuber world. If you had any tips or advice on anyone who's looking to start their freelance career, or even if you had any advice for like a younger version of yourself, you know, I guess with the knowledge that you have now. You know, when I started, when I took that jump to do freelance full-time and, you know, even not knowing what was about to happen in the whole world and Mm -hmm. If I had known that, I may not have done what I did, like taking that risk. But yeah, you know that that is a risk. Is like you just never know, kind of the circumstance. If you can't just take, you can do your best to take like stock of the circumstances you have in front of you, but you really don't know what's going to happen until you just do it. Yeah, for me, that was super important. You know, I I come from a family that like like my mom and dad owned a business together for a long time, and like we're doing the freelance thing, and eventually just made the jump themselves like thirty years ago. So it was very much like like I, I felt supported in that. Mm -hmm. And so I think also like having support, you know, I, I remember talking to my mom about this and she was like, yeah, you should just try it, you know? Yeah. And so I think that that support was super helpful. Yeah. And I, I think if I were to talk to like a younger version of myself, I would just say, and this comes with like a lot of things in life I'm finding, like even now I'm still finding about finding stuff all the time that I'm learning. Like, yeah, there's like never any better time to start than right now. Yeah. And there's, too many times that I like put things off till tomorrow and then it's, then it's a week later, that's a month later, it's a year later, you know what I mean? So it's like very much yeah. like if you can, even pushing yourself to, to do it, even if you think you can't do it, that that's what I would tell myself is just like, you have to, you have to take the risk. Yeah. Um, and just know like failure is okay. Like, and figuring out how to embrace it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was super, super important to yeah. me and just kind of. Yeah, having no plan B. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't remember where I heard this quote, but I'm sure a lot of people have said it, but the like failure precedes success, you know, like mm. you kind of have to fail first in order to like figure out what works. I uh, make the parallels in skateboarding a lot. Just like, you know, I've, you hurt yourself and fall and fail a lot before it actually works out. Yeah. But yeah, man, I thought that's really good advice. Except the part where like, I don't, I don't feel like I physically hurt myself compared to yeah. if I was skateboarding. <laughs> that, that makes me a little more nervous is like breaking something. Yeah, I feel that. So what do you have in like the pipeline? Are you working on anything big or do you have anything cooking? Because I know you post YouTube videos every once in a while, kind of oh, sporadically, yeah. like, yeah. like <laughs> once a year. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's always my attempt to be like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And like, whatever felt interesting to me that week, I started yeah. And that, that comes back again to that, like, fa you know, failure thing. It's, you know, yeah. in one way I freelance and that was a big jump, but for me to try to make YouTube stuff and find the thing that I like doing when I yeah. can is another kind of jump. I'm not totally sure how to figure out, but, um, yeah, so I do that, um, sometimes. And then I'm going back down to LA in early, well, it is, oh, it's early March. I'm going to LA in a few days. Oh, wow. I uh, was with a friend and we're going to go shoot some more stuff. So that that's more, I'm actually just assisting him on that job, potentially going back up to Canada. Yeah. Is that with a band? Are you allowed to like yeah. talk about that at all? Yeah. Yeah. I keep, okay. I'm like, so mysterious. I'm like, I'm going back to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm crossing the border. <laughs> then I'm coming back two weeks later. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's with the band. So with that band, actually I was hired to do sound. So it's like something oh, wow. else I've done 
in the past was like town engineering. Okay. And so I did that. And then there was kind of quickly, like, like I wanted to take photos and stuff. And, you know, I, I figured out how to do both kind of, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like <laughs> mixing in the end these days, you can kind of just do a lot of stuff with an iPad. So I'm controlling the mix, you know, in the room with the iPad. Sometimes I can go walk yeah. around with my like Sony and take some photos. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of morph, probably morphing into like a content thing and a sound thing. Um, at least in the, for the time being, and maybe more of just, just a content thing in the future. But yeah, that's pretty, that's been pretty fun. That was like my first time riding around in a tour bus. Yeah. Sleeping in a bunk. Wow. What's <laughs> the band? Like, uh, it's called Tim and the Glory Boys. Tim and the Glory Boys. Okay. Yeah, they're like a bluegrass country thing. And they're like pretty big in Canada right now. But like, you know, once you hit the border, like they haven't really crossed into state lines yet. But like, mm-hmm. I guess pretty well known in the country bluegrass scene up there. So. That's awesome. Where can people go to uh, check out some of your work and all the socials and stuff like that? The socials. My website is stereovisual.co and that's kind of be more like business front portfolio stuff. And then Instagram, L, uh, it's like lichtenberg.co, but it's like lchtnbrg.co. So it's just like my last name without the vowels. That's probably the best i have a youtube channel too but i'm not i don't feel like i'm going to direct people to that just yeah <laughs> i guess i'll also just you know put your stuff in the show notes sure yeah and also i think i pronounced your last name wrong dude is it lichtenberg it is lichtenberg oh it's okay gosh. though because like everyone pronounces everyone it pronounces the ch yeah, yeah. German, and i'm like right? it's german yeah yeah and i'm getting better about like because like you know to be honest sometimes i forget about how to pronounce your last name and i don't yeah. ask that's why i just avoid saying it yeah. so well, like it's just so like, I don't really like, I feel like it's just, you know, people say it how they read it most of the time. And it's just like, I mean, I can't like fault them for that, you know? Let's we'll see. See, is it, is it, is it borrows? I mean, yeah, technically if you're like here in the U.S. it's borrows, but I mean, like how it's pronounced is Bajos. So I don't okay. like, it's, it's a Brazilian last name. So it's just totally. Kelly. Anyway. Well, thanks dude. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and talking to me. I've been, I've been really stoked to finally have you on the podcast because you know, it's cool having, you know, friends on here and I'm definitely yeah. glad to have you on again, especially when I'm back up in Oregon. Maybe we can do yeah, it in person. Cool. Yeah. That's sick. Do an in-person podcast. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, so yeah, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Long Lines Podcast and I will talk to you all later. Bye.